Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company on the cutting edge of trends. Now, let's talk tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I'm Christine Birmingham. I work with Financial uh, Services Institute in DC. Have the pleasure of introducing our session today, uh, Technology Tools and Trends Driving Engagement, Collaboration, and Innovation. Just want to do a few quick reminders, a reminder to wear your mask while participating, listening to the session. Um, also want to tell you about the evaluation that you can fill out uh, once the session is complete. That is in the app under this session in the schedule of events. I now have the pleasure of introducing our speakers. Um, as the founder of Endless Events, Will Curran has been named one of the most influential people in the meetings and events industry, <laughs> one of the 40 under 40 event industry leaders, 35 entrepreneurs under the age of 35, and Inc. Magazine's coolest college startup, all before graduating college. His team's mission is to simplify the event planning process by creating the equation for an events perfect solution. We also have <laughs> we also have Brant Kruger. I don't know what you guys are doing. Yeah, oh, okay. this guy. <laughs> Brant is a technical producer and consultant based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and is highly acclaimed instructor for the Event Leadership Institute's virtual event and meeting management certificate course. He has over 20 years experience in the industry, has spoken at events and conferences all over the world, been published in numerous magazines and websites, and is ranked among the most influential people in the events industry. Please help me welcome Will and Brant to the stage. Woo. Woo! How's everybody doing? Oh, you guys got to get louder than that. How's everybody doing? You guys act like you're at home in your pajamas still. Right. <laughs> Would it feel better if we did like this? Like, hey, everybody. Or if, you know, I was going to make a comment about pants. I'm not yeah. going to. No, no pants no, allowed. Yeah, no, we're not going to. No pants jokes. All right. So um, we're going to have a little bit of fun with everybody. You guys ready for some fun? Are you guys ready to talk about technology, tools, and trends? Okay. And what I kind of noticed as we were walking around asking everybody why you're here, we got a lot of, uh, I'm, 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 I'm concerned about technology. A little bit of like standoff. Stand I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. I heard that a lot yeah. too. Um, and that you guys are all looking for the killer tool that is going to change your a events. One app to rule them you're, all. Who here wants the best app ever that's going to change your events forever? It's going to you know, absolutely kill it. All right, so let well, let's start with the killer app, right? right? Everyone's looking for the killer app. Let's do that in black, actually. The killer app. The killer app to change your events your forever. It's going to go up 10,000%. 10,000% engagement. You guys ready for this? You guys got your pens and papers out? Your phones? You're going to want to take a lot of notes during this, by the way, because we're going to be dropping lots and lots of apps. The killer app that is going to change your events, you ready to write this down? Does not exist. <laughs> I know, you're like, oh uh, no, take it, boo. <laughs> so the question becomes, why can't you just buy engagement? Why can't we not just get the tool? Why can't I just, you know, get Hopin, get Slido, and, you know, boom, my event's more engaging. Should I, I mean, you're tall up there. I, I have the, the I'll paper. Stay, I'll stay down here. <laughs> we'll, we'll social distance. Um, and that's, that's the question that we need to be asking ourselves, is that, is, is, so why can't we just buy engagement? Because unfortunately, that's the mistake that a lot of folks have been making over the course of the last 18 months, is, well, 
we need to have engagement, 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 engagement. Okay, so we'll get uh, polling. We're polling, we're polling. Uh, so we got polling, so great, we've got engagement. Uh, we gotta have a networking event. Uh, networking event, so that gets people engaged, right? So we got a networking event. So, uh, you know, in person, what do you do? You get 200 people in a room, throw in a bar, and it's a networking event, right? Can't do that online, can you? Right? So what happens when you throw 200 people into a Zoom call? Chaos. <laughs> right? But unfortunately, a lot of companies are just ticking off the boxes. Ticking it. Just, ticking just it, ticking ticking it. off the boxes. Well, we got we to have a general session, and we got to have breakouts, and then there's, there's usually a networking thing, and then, okay, great. We got all the boxes. We're good, right? Excellent. We can take our event online now. Well, it's just not about technology anymore. Yeah. And I know you're angry. You came to a talk about technology, and we're telling you technology is not the it's solution. Not about the technology. What? what you have to do is you have to design your events, and we're going to talk a little bit about that a little bit better. So one thing that you're going to really notice so far, have you noticed we're not using PowerPoint? How many people are really happy about that? <laughs> well, the thing when it comes to PowerPoint, PowerPoint was a solution to communication and trying to solve the problem of being able to give better presentations. But one thing Brent and I noticed is that throughout the pandemic, everyone was sick of PowerPoint. PowerPoint was dying before a pandemic happened. Then you stick everybody having to stare at a computer screen for 12 hours a day, and PowerPoint explicitly died. How many, how many people here do like podcasts, YouTube, like that kind of stuff? Do you, do you ever use the speed function on those? Where like you go up to like 1.25, so you can get past the, hey guys, welcome to my town, I'll hit check out my Patreon, and you know, all that kind of stuff. You can go right through that, scan right through that. Do you ever find yourself wanting to do that on live events? Yeah. On, well, online, online events? Yeah, me too. And so what we decided to do when we design our presentation is we're gonna be using drawing tools and doing things differently. So when it comes to your entire event, start with that mentality. Why do I have this here? Why am I using this tool? When in reality, maybe you don't need it. Maybe you can do things a little bit better. You know what's really funny is that people all the time ask me what I use to, to draw on here, right? I know I have like really fantastic drawing skills. <laughs> you know what tool I'm using? Is that I'm, you? What, it's wait. not to scale. Oh, that's yeah, not yeah, to me to scale. It's close. The, the funny thing that answers this question is people always ask me, what am I using to do whiteboard? Because man, it gave such an engaging presentation that wasn't PowerPoint. You know what the tool I'm using? Microsoft Whiteboard. It's free on every Windows computer, and you can literally use it right now. So that's something you kind of keep in mind when it comes to your technology, is sometimes the tool isn't the most expensive one. Is it the one that everybody's talking about on the event technology podcast? I know, because we, we ha literally have an event technology podcast. When it comes to your tool, sometimes the most simple one is the one that's gonna do the best for you. So, keep that in mind. I was always the type that at a meeting would be the guy that hops up and starts drawing on the whiteboard and stuff like that. So I was looking for ways to incorporate this type of technology into my presentations for years. And even pre-pandemic, I was starting to experiment with wireless drawing apps and things like that because I just kind of knew at my heart that PowerPoints and slides were painful, even our in-person events, and it's only been made worse in our online events. So one important thing to realize, though, when it comes to it, we're, you know, we're coming here preaching that technology is not the solution to all your problems. But in reality, because of the pandemic, technology is the baseline of your event, right? How many people had to learn how an event platform worked over the last two years or so, right? And that became the so center point you. of your entire There must be event. a lot of vendors in here. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was going to say, we do have a lot of vendors in yeah. here so far. Well, what we're going to do when it comes to utilizing technology is that you need to ask yourself, you know, before in years past, right, many, a thousand eons ago, we asked ourselves, why 
do I need an event app? Anybody remember those days? Why do I need an event app? We, we've got paper, we've got, we hand out all the agendas, and we, everybody knows where to go. Why do we need an event app? And you know, even less than two years ago, before we went into all of this, almost every conference that I attended had an event app of some kind. So we've been through this technology evolution, this timeline before. Only that took place over about 10 years, where between, hey, we're thinking about having an event app. There was only about four of them. Anybody remember that, right? And then all of a sudden, it exploded. And there were 200 event apps. And that little corner of IMAX, if anybody goes to IMAX, like went from like four stalls to 40 by 40 booths with people in gorilla outfits and lights everywhere and all that kind of stuff. So, and then what happened after that? They started getting bought. And they started conglomerating and coming together. And then this one got a little investment money. So then they bought that one. And then this one got a little investment money and they bought that one. And then things kind of settled down a little bit. Not so many acquisitions, not so many mergers, and yet new companies coming to the fray every single day. So every time you go back to that IMX corner, there's some place you've never heard of. Now, we just did that in... One, six months? About, yeah, about 18 months, maybe, <laughs> over the course <laughs> of that time. It's exactly the same timeline that we saw in the technology with event apps, we're now seeing with event platforms. Started out with like five, right? It was On24, Meeting Play, Intrado, all of these guys. And then we slowly, all of a sudden, boom, we're all locked down. Good news, there's 200 of them now. Congratulations, planners, figure it out. Which unfortunately kind of happened on the production side. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of production companies closed their doors, laid people off, furloughed a bunch of people, said we hope we can get through to November, and then we'll pick this back up again. And basically that means, here you go, planners, figure it out. Now, smart companies, actively went to their planners. I love telling this story, because he won't tell it, so I get to tell <laughs> it. So went to their planners and said, what can we do to help? And as a result, they were able to keep the doors open, keep hiring, keep people going. So condensed timeline. I've blathered on about that long enough. No, and you're okay. And I think we'll get, we'll get to that point, I think. In a, if only I had a PowerPoint to keep me on track. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have a Google Doc with our That's notes right. in it. All right. So, one important thing I think that when it comes to the baseline of the technology of your event, right, is before it was just an add-on, but now it's, the it's literally the foundation of where you're setting your event. How many people here are planning a hybrid event in the next year, right? The baseline of a hybrid event is technology, right? You have to be able to connect the in-person and virtual audiences together. Can we go back just two seconds? First of all, all the planners in the room. Oh yeah, hands. how many planners we got? Yep. Total, so I just want to get a vibe on how oh, many awesome. that was. So now, oh, keep them all up, keep them all up, keep them all up, keep them all up. Now, take them down if you're not planning a hybrid event. 50%? Okay. Roughly? Okay. All right, good enough. Um, so I think one of the things to keep in mind is when it comes to hybrid events, you have this tech as this baseline. So that's something to always keep in mind. Um, you know, we heard a couple of people saying like they're more adverse to the technology. Now is the time to submerge yourself into it because it's going to touch every piece of your event. Right? Maybe, maybe catering, not as much, but reg, right? Reg, we need to be able to collect how people want to eat, what kind of foods they're wanting to eat, right? So something to keep in mind is that tech's going to be the baseline. So while it's not the solution to your problems, it certainly is going to be the thing that's going to help enable your event to be a truly hybrid event. So let's talk about those one billion platforms that exist, though, Brant. <laughs> Give or take a couple hundred million billion platforms. So the, the biggest thing that I'm trying to emphasize to people is that you don't need to know them all. 
right? You can't. Think of it really, this, this metaphor has worked for 18 months and it continues to work. That thinking of the platform as being your digital venue, right? That's where we go, that's where we put our event on. And all of the metaphors that go along with choosing a venue and things like that, that you do with your in-person events, that translates to platforms. And in order to do that, you don't just pick, you don't pick the venue first and then decide what kind of event you're gonna put into it. You have an event that you wanna put on that has goals and objectives. We should probably interrupt with the Brant drinking game. Yes, tell them the Brant so drinking game. The Brant drinking game, by the way, is every time I say goals and objectives, right? Every time I say know your stakeholders, and then in Q&A, which by the way, we can do Q&A at any point in time. So if you have a question at any point in time, raise a hand and shout it out. We don't, we don't have to do, that's another thing you don't have to do is talk for 45 minutes and then do 15 minutes of Q&A. And then the last, so the last one is in Q&A when Brant says, well, it depends. So those are, those are the three big ones. <laughs> so, so you start with the goals and objectives I'm of your sorry. event. And I've been emphasizing that for 18 months now, that we have an opportunity here to go back to the beginning and say, why are we doing this event? Now let's take all of our technology decisions come from that. You don't, you don't choose the venue first and then, back your, and then work your way into the event. You need to know your stakeholders, you need to check out your goals and objectives, and then decide what platform you're gonna use. So how do you find new venues? So you ask, how do we choose among these millions of platforms out there? You go to them. You see as many online events as you can. You talk to your colleagues. Some of the other things that people said as we were coming in, like, hey, why are you here? To reconnect to see my friends, to see people in the industry, to find out what the latest thing is. So as you're choosing your technologies, go back to your goals and objectives. Know what your stakeholders are trying to get out of that event, and that includes not just your attendees, but your sponsors, your exhibitors, and your internal stakeholders as well. And so what, that question we get all the time is, yeah, what's the best platform, what's the best tech tool to be able to use? The important thing to know, too, is that in 2020, the best platforms are not gonna be the ones that thrive in 2022 in the hybrid game. So when it comes to your entire event and trying to make, choosing what that next platform is, you also don't need to know what they all are, right? Do you need to know every Android phone that exists out there or all, what the difference between all the iPhones are? No, you pick one and you settle with it for a while. And then when it stops serving you, that's when you switch. We have to keep in mind that switching platforms all the time is also a whiplash for our audiences. I remember when we were planning an event, uh, literally, and the client goes, yeah, so we heard from three attendees that uh, they didn't like the platform, it was too hard to use. So we're switching. I said, well, have you surveyed the other thousand of them? And what can happen, though, is that one year, everyone's getting used to it, and it's liking putting their information in. You have this potential to create this long-term audience inside of a platform, and I'm sure we'll talk about community models a little bit later, because it always ends up coming up. So something you kind of keep in mind when it comes to your events, you don't have to know them all and you don't have to change every year. A great model while we're talking kind of at this 10,000 foot level that a lot of the folks that I know that are in the industry that have many events a year. So it's hard when you only have that one like annual event, okay, that's gotta choose that one and make it go. But if you have many events over the year, what you do is you pick that event platform that's gonna be the one for your major annual event and then you use your smaller events as like the farm team. So that's where you try things out. You test new things. You try out a different platform that maybe you haven't done. So you can kind of use that to get the best of both worlds of like, we're gonna use this one for our big events so that there's continuity and you go from the same events and it's all that kind of stuff. But maybe in our smaller, more 
breakout-y type things, we can play around with some new platforms. And maybe someday they'll come up to the big leagues. So let's talk about a couple different scenarios where you're gonna be utilizing technology for your events. Does it sound good to everybody? Up there falling asleep. Do we get, need to get I, the, I can't tell if you're nodding off to, or you're <laughs> not. How, are you, you guys ready for that? Vocally. Get the dubstep out right. again. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about conferences and small conferences. For small meetings, you know, you need to get together with five people coming together. What's the best tool for utilizing small conferences? It's a very, very famous tool called Zoom. You might have heard of it. It's, it's, it's a little upstart. It's a little like, you know, a $1 billion company. It's like, you know, no big guy. deal. Did anybody in this room have a Zoom account prior to March of last year? Hey, okay. Why? Never used it. You had an account, but you never used it? Anyone want to share? You hated it? Okay. That doesn't help my argument I was about to make. <laughs> yes? So the thing to keep in mind is that Zoom is still king for small meetings, right? And you can replace Zoom with Google Meet, probably. That's coming up there, becoming more popular, right? But those two tools, are they're just rock-solid reliable. A lot so, of Teams house. I mean, I'm assuming yeah, there's a lot Microsoft of Teams, teams in the room. as well. Yep. Hopefully, Slack will eventually figure out that they can do external calls. But it's a great, <laughs> it's a great tool. So don't go out there for those small meetings where you have five people, maybe sub ten people. Don't be trying to find a platform for it. Zoom, Google Meet, and Microsoft Teams. I'd say those are like the top three video conferencing tools that exist. And then about 200 million short ones. WebEx is another yeah. one. WebEx exists, Google Meet, or GoToMeeting exists too. I don't like them as much. I don't think Brand likes them very Tom, much. Thomson but. Reuters had a, had a conferencing app that was in play. Uh, but yeah, if you're, if you're doing sales meetings, you're looking at doing little small meetings, Zoom's gonna crush it for you. And I don't think you have to be trying to search out there for that, a gigantic platform to be able to do those things. But as you start to get bigger, how many people out here are doing conferences that are more than 10 people? A lot really? of people, right? Yeah. Weird. So what's one of the most interesting things that's a kind of a challenge when it comes to virtual is networking. So how the heck do you do networking online? We touched on it briefly on kind of the what not to do, right? Throw 200 people in a room and say, make it go. So what's the easiest way to start breaking that down? Breakouts, yeah, breakout sessions. So right, you can already still do that in Zoom. Uh, there's a couple things you got to be careful of, right? You can, there's, there, you can kind of only do it two ways, like import it in advance, which is a lot of work in advance, or the on the fly, we want to break out into X number of rooms with X number of people in the room. So the cautionary tale just on that is what we were just talking about. Make sure that those are small enough groups to have effective conversation. Because if you're still breaking out into groups of 25 people, and only have 10 minutes of conversation, that's not a lot of time. So a lot of what we kind of mean when we say, you know, you can't buy engagement, it means it has to come at the design level. And it's thinking about these things before we throw people into a breakout room. Well, realistically, can you have a conversation in that amount of time? And try it sometime. Throw 10 people into a room, give them five minutes, and give them a topic. And you'll get three people that get through, hi, I'm Brant, I work in Minneapolis, um, and I think, and you get through like three or four of them, and then you try and fill them all in at the last possible minute to try and get everybody in. So what's the coolest thing that you've seen when it comes to networking? So you, you've seen some cool stuff with use of LinkedIn. I'm, I'm a fan of, of, I mean, you can do basics with LinkedIn where, um, you know, a lot of the platforms out there will have integrations with LinkedIn where you can sign in using your LinkedIn account. 
Um, and then it'll say, do you want to share your contact information and things like that? Um, I tend to like the things that are more lightweight, like really super lightweight, doesn't have to be this big heavy thing. There's a, there's a platform called Mixtros, M-I-X-T-R-O-Z. Um, I'll write it up there. Yeah, we'll get it up I there. I feel like I have a pen. Yeah, it's, if only someone could write that for folks so that they could write it down. Um, what I like about that one is it actually, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to jump out of. It is one where you kind of have to jump out of what platform you're in. It doesn't, you're not, it's not gonna be easily integrated. Uh, it's web-based. Um, and uh, Ashley, the owner, um, has really focused on making it a conversation starter. So you can answer basically five easy questions as you're coming in. You can do it at registration as well. So you can have it predefined. And then you as the planner can decide, do I wanna create um, kind of conflicts or do I wanna put like you know, birds of a feather together? So based on how people answer those questions, you can either try and mix it up and put people who feel differently about topics together or you can say, okay, we want these people who have similar opinions to be in same rooms. So I kind of like that as well. They were interestingly already working on adding the video capabilities pre-March 2020. So that was they were basically right there, ready to go as soon as uh, as soon as we all got locked down. So that's Mixtros. There's one tool for you guys. All right, let's talk about my favorite tools. There you go. Called Brain Dates. How many people have heard of Brain Dates before? Yeah. Ooh. Two. Two people. Heck yeah. There all we right. go. New tech. I love brain dates. This is me trying to draw a brain, by the way. Again, you don't need a Picasso to create engagement <laughs> presentations. <laughs> brain dates I love. It's actually started as a non-technology tool, but they got huge during the pandemic because no one could figure out how to network people together. If you understand the basic concept of brain dates, it's not that crazy. In fact, you could probably steal the idea from them. What they did, is they create a gigantic message board and they ask every attendee just to submit top things they want to talk about in like a tweet length. Not like a whole entire like, oh my gosh, dossier with like a page of what we want to talk about. Like literally just a sentence. It might be something like, I want to talk about tech tools. And when I experienced brain dates for the first time I was at C2 Montreal, I said, I want to talk about event trends. And I just put it on there. And what people do is they come here and say, oh, I want to talk about event trends. They click on it. It shows them my calendar and shows their calendar and literally books the time for us to meet. It's that simple. So what's great about this is they're not looking to meet with Will Curran. They're looking to meet to talk about trends. So it's centered around a topic. So like what Brand was saying, you can't just put people in a room and expect them to network. You gotta give them something to talk about. And Braindees does a fantastic job at doing this. One thing I think that makes it really, really amazing is that they create this like concierge at the center of the event where you know there's a bunch of people here to help out. And they know the entire schedule of the entire brain dates happening at a conference. And this is available virtually, in person, and hybrid, by the way. And what they do is I show up and I say, oh, I'm here for my brain date. You know, what's your name? Will Curran. Oh, Will, you're here to talk about tech trends. I assigned you at, you know, booth A. And you're just so you know, the person you're networking with, Brand, he's not here yet. So why don't we take you over to booth A? and then we'll bring Brandt over to you. It makes it so seamless and so not awkward to meet strangers to talk about a topic. And I can't tell you, when I was at C2 Montreal, I had a whole schedule of con content to see and things to do, and I ended up doing a couple brain dates and being like, screw that. I cleared my entire schedule and just did brain dates the entire time I was there. How often can you say that an attendee says that they all they did is spend their time networking? It was one of the most valuable experiences ever, I ended up making friends with Twitter, McDonald's, bunch of big brands 
that I didn't even know were at that conference because we all decided we checked the box on what we wanted to talk about. So check out Brain Dates. Fantastic. And again, it's very simple technology. It's like literally just like a, a tweet message board, basically. I'm going to interject with the game because all of this is about, again, knowing your stakeholders, right? So there's different types of networking. There's people that want to network because they want to, they feel it's a career networking thing. Or they want to network about topics and learn and education and things like that. So knowing the type of networking that your attendees want, the type of networking that your internal stakeholders want, the type of networking that your sponsors want, and figuring out ways to generate value in each of those different types is what it's all about. Not one app to rule them all. KYS, know your stakeholders. Yep. Well, speaking of stakeholders, what's another stakeholder we have at our events other than attendees that give us lots of money? I just left it off the list intentionally because I knew we were talking about it. <laughs> so what's the other stakeholder that I didn't just mention? Yes. Good job. Exhibitors. One of the biggest fails over the course of the last 18 months that I've heard people just hating on online events is when it comes to exhibitors. And I can pretty much tell you why. <laughs> because the planner said, okay, we need to have an expo floor. We've always had an expo floor. So we're gonna get it. Uh, so that means our platform has to have an expo portion. All right, we'll get a platform that has an expo portion. All right, great, it's got a booth and things like that. You go to your exhibitors and you say, good news, everybody. We've got a platform that does expo. It's 12 grand, are you in? And they go, <laughs> and then there weren't any other options. So they said, yeah, I guess, okay, we've always, Exhibited at that show, we'll do it, okay, great. And then they didn't have a good experience. Why? A lot of reasons. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you, well, I didn't get, I didn't have the hand-to-hand, -hand, you know, press, you know, oh, God, it wasn't true. Yeah, I'll, yeah, me. Um, you know, I didn't get that face-to-face. -face. I didn't get that interaction. I didn't get the serendipity. Anybody hear that one? Of the like, well, someone just walking down the you know, hall and they came into my booth. Well, how often does that really happen? Where it's just like, <laughs> I, you know, I was just walking along. I saw this product I'd never thought I'd ever use before, but now I will. Maybe one in a million. But really, though, it goes back to what we were just talking about. There's different types of exhibitors. And you guys have all seen these different types. So there's the one that sits in the booth and goes, would you like to enter the drawing? Put your card in the, you know, a squishy ball? This is a free squishy ball. Squishy ball and a fish bowl. And they're going to go home with as many names as possible. That's their goal. Can I scan your badge? Can I scan your badge? Can I scan your badge? I'm a vendor. I don't care. Can I scan your badge? And then there's the other ones that come on in. Let's have a chat. Have a beer. You know, those, those are the, those types of trade show booths where they're trying to narrow it down into the hot leads, not just sheer numbers, but those that are actually going to be worth contacting and reaching out. Those are two very different types of vendors. So how can you go to them and say, it's 12 grand, are you in? You know, you have to be able to know to go to those types of exhibitors that are looking for the hot leads and give them data. The magic of events. I'm really kind of surprised we're what, four, fifth, half an hour in, it's the first time I think we've mentioned the word data. I'm but impressed that's you. the gold, that's the value that online and hybrid events can offer to exhibitors and sponsors is data. Not only here's the 500 people that stopped by your virtual booth, but here's the 100 people that didn't that went to five different breakout sessions about what you do. Would that be valuable to you? Uh, yeah, you want a free squishy ball? I mean, yeah, they're, you know, they, yeah, that's enormously valuable. 
Oh, you're a Salesforce house? Oh, cool. We can help import that data directly into Salesforce for you. Would that be valuable for you? So figuring out what type of exhibitor you're working with, what type of stakeholder you're working with, what do they want, what are their goals and objectives, is again how you back into the technology even when it comes to online trade show booths. I think there's another like uh, type of exhibitor too, that, and this is my controversial opinion for today's talk. So feel free to chastise me afterwards or throw your waters at me or whatever you want to do. But when it comes to knowing your, your stakeholders and your exhibitors, there's also knowing when to get rid of some exhibitors. Okay, I'm not gonna go that far. But we all know the exhibitor that we brought on virtually and you said, hey, I'm, you're my top billing sponsor, I'm gonna put your logo biggest, I'm gonna put, do all these things. You're, and they, they come back at the end of the event, and they go, this wasn't worth it. This was, or whatever reason, right? And they were upset. But then you had this exhibitor who was like your silver bottom tier sponsor, right? And they gave an amazing talk that was the most attended talk. They ended up adding value and actually attending other talks and engaging in the conversation. They ended up getting the most amount of hits on the virtual event platform out of anybody, right? And they weren't trying to sell while they were there. In fact, they were actually giving away stuff and not like free iPad stuff. They were giving away books and webinars and eBooks, right? And everybody thought, man, they were so valuable. They actually helped co-create the whole entire experience. They were so valuable to your entire event. What I think needs to happen is those people who get it, I call that the get it exhibitor, need to replace the person who didn't get it, who thought they needed to spam everybody, who said, why am I not getting leads? How come I can't get the list of everyone who attended my booth and just start emailing them right away? Wait, what do you mean I can't just import them in my CRM and have salespeople start attacking them, right? But then you have the other exhibitors who are focused on the inbound methodology, right? How many people have heard of a company called HubSpot? Kind of a big company now. They create this methodology of, hey, we're gonna add value and hope people come back. So what I think needs to happen is that gold, platinum, $100,000 a year sponsor, you need to say to them, you know what, I know you didn't get a lot of value. Why don't you go down to our silver tier instead of putting 100 grand in, put 25 grand in, and then go to the people who got it and got so much value from it and say to them, hey, I need to put $1,000 in. Why don't you put 75 grand in this year? And they're gonna say, heck yes, we got so much value. And that's how you're gonna be able to use your exhibitors to help raise your entire event rather than be the ones that are angry man on the front porch, get off my lawn kind of exhibitors. And it's, it's same goes with sponsors. Right? Finding, weeding your garden a little bit of the sponsors that, you know, they, yeah, they write a big check, but you can drop them. Good news, sponsors. We're going to drop you down to a lower level because we're doing things online and I know that's still a little scary. So we're going to drop you down. But then you start adding those value adds that we just talked about of importing things directly into HubSpot, into Salesforce. And you start to then build that money back up again, very easily spread out amongst the 50 silver sponsors, each, each one of those does a $1,000 upgrade. You've already matched that one, you know, that one that went down a tier easily. The one important thing to know whenever it comes to these, these people who get it and are helping create your event, encourage them, right? They're the ones who aren't giving the boring sponsor talks that are happening at your event. They're the ones who are creating engaging experiences. But one important thing, we'll just get it out of the way because it's really important, and I'm sure a lot of you guys get it, is you need to keep an eye, these are my glasses, by the way, of a four-letter acronym. Say it with me, these letters. Say it as I draw it. Say it with me, GDPR. You know what that stands for? Don't be a <laughs> jerk. 
<laughs> like, honestly, you can sum up. Like, people are really like, oh, and I know, especially when there's legal matters involved, I know I'm joking. But still, really, if you're looking for the root of GDPR and the California provisions as well, just don't be a jerk. If your attendees want to know what you're using your data for, you, get, you tell them. And you tell them proactively, and you tell them in plain language. This is what we're using it for. Someone reached out to me via email the other day and was like, uh, what was it? My, my attendees are really concerned about the, the data that we're giving to our exhibitors, just what we were just talking about. How, you know, how do I get them to read the terms and conditions and agree to it? You know, because it's, you know, it's kind of buried when they're registering and stuff like that. Like, well, don't do that is the, is the answer. Don't bury it in the terms and conditions that go by. Have it on your website. Have it in plain language. Have the official legal version connected to it, but here's the plain language version of it. I want to know what my data is being used for. I want to know who you're giving it to. And if I ask you to, I want to know that you delete it. And if somebody steals it, I want to know. That's like, that's pretty much most of GDPR, is be respectful and careful with your attendees' data, because it's gold. It's gold to somebody. Question of people. We've, I do a whole another thing on cybersecurity. That's for another time. But we are sitting on a mountain of gold that doesn't belong to us. And we have to protect that as planners. All right. And industry folk in general. Let's talk about the next major area for when it comes to technology use. And what's, what's your favorite color out there? Say a color. I heard pink. We'll do pink. All right, we're going to talk about content. And we're going to talk about content at home and live streaming. So when it comes to this, there's such a great opportunity that there's so much great content happening at every single conference. We sometimes forget that it can't be only privileged to the people who are attending the entire event. There's such a great opportunity now for us to be able to share that content with people at home. Why can't people be in their boxers and briefs and pajamas? and enjoy that content at home. So when it comes to content, well, how do we make it better? How do we make it awesome? And I know you have a brand that I've recently switched my entire lifestyle over to <laughs> that creates amazing content almost like every month. Starts with an A, ends with... I'm blanking. I've, pull? Oh, I've heard of Apple, yes. Apple How many people makes, have heard of Apple? Stuff. Yeah, yeah they, they, they make stuff. Has anybody been watching the Apple keynotes evolve over the course of the last year? I mean, it's more for tech press and things like that, you know, it's, but, but they're, they're interesting to watch. And they're investing heavier and heavier. I mean, you think back to the days of Steve Jobs, right? So Steve Jobs, the giant wall of LED behind them, you know, doing the, the showman, you know, greatest showman type stuff. Now, that is a movie. Their keynotes are well-produced movies. And they're not dialing back on that. They're investing more and more and more in that. And so where that's probably going to wind up going is they'll do in-person events, but it's going to be Tim Cook coming out there and going, let me bring you now, here's our latest thing, and then turn it off to the pre-recorded video. That Watch that for five minutes, and then come back out. All right, great. Thanks so much. Now we're going to go to our you know, research department. Check that out. Boom, that kind of thing. So it's going to be a very different style. You can see them heavily investing in that. Uh, frame.io is another one that's worth checking out. If you, it's uh, frame, literally frame, as in picture frame.io. Their keynote that came out probably five months ago was literally like a movie. 
the guy, they did it, they shot it on a movie set. And the CEO comes out from behind and there's a long dolly shot as they go. And he just does the walk and talk like they do in all the, what's his name, movies, sort of, sort of, whatever. Um, beautiful, gorgeous. I'm pretty sure that's the reason why they got acquired by Adobe. <laughs> that's pretty, Probably that one keynote, the like, Adobe saw wow. it, like, we got to buy this company. We got to buy them. Great. Right. So that can, that can pay, be a part of it as well. So check out these examples of highly produced keynotes and pre-recorded content. Because this is what people are craving now. No one wants to watch a boring PowerPoint. See how we're like, bringing it full much, circle? Much less uh, an up-the-nose shot of your CEO in their kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm talking about their actual keynote they gave where they announced the, like, look up iPhone 13 uh, announcement. Look at the, this, the most latest one was the, the MacBook Pro announcement, right? Like, just Google Apple keynote and on YouTube and you'll be good to go. They literally, you don't even have to watch the whole thing. To be honest, now there's, Companies like see the news that are literally summarizing them into like 10 minute long videos, and they still are incredible productions. I can already tell we're running long and we're trying to yes. jam it. We were, the reason we were asking when they wanted to talk about when they came in is so we can try and address those things. Um, I think there's networking after this, uh, but there's nothing in here after this. So if we don't get to something that you want to talk about, Will and I will still be here. We'll still be uh, here afterward. So, some quick tips when it comes to content if it's going to be live, give a reason for it to be live. Right, it's got to be that good. You got to be really engaging. The speaker needs to be talking to the audience and be uh, exciting. If it's just someone up there talking, make it pre-recorded. And last but not least, when it comes to content, something to think about is that people go in person to network, but people want to enjoy content at home. So if you can design your event where you can do content at home and networking in person. That's how you're gonna get people's attention and not waste their time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that looking for the fast forward button, right? That looking for the speed button. What if we, in preparation for this, were to actually just record a half an hour video of these points? Say, hey, here's your homework, go watch that first and then we'll discuss it here. Might work, depends on the group, right? Might not, because that involves homework, <laughs> you know? It depends on the group. But, you know, especially when there's technical things involved, that can save us from so much PowerPoint uh, when you can have the technical stuff show up first and then have the discussion on site. Do we have time for a quick fire of the future? I think we should talk about the future. It's in the, it's in the session description. All right. Who wants to find out where things are going in the future? Who wants to have the crystal ball to know what's going on? The future. All right. <laughs> When it comes to content and everything, when it comes to the platform, everything's about quality now, not quantity. Say it with me, quality, not quantity. If people see crap quality, if they're virtual, they're gone. They're literally gonna just tune out or they'll just close the window. If you're in person, you're gonna be on your phone, right? I was literally doing a session last week, 20 people in the room and when it, I saw one quality of the content dipped, not when I was speaking. I'm obviously. not going to point them out, but I just saw someone go. And I think, <laughs> yeah, just put them over. But people were totally comfortable with it because now we know, hey, I'd rather just be on my screen. This isn't entertaining me. So something to keep in mind is that it's quantity, quality, not quantity. Am I the next one? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the one thing I'm not good at is drawing and talking at that's, the same time. That's true. That's the downside <laughs> of, the, of being the artist. Okay, the next thing is when it comes to hybrid and the future of hybrid is that 
If you're live streaming your event and you just put a camera in the back of the room and you have all the virtual attendees talking to each other <laughs> and all the in-person people are talking to each other and they never interact with each other, I, it's not, it's not those hybrid. Of you, those of you that know me, that's not hybrid, right? I've got pretty specific definitions of hybrid based on MPI's definition of hybrid. It's about two or more audiences connecting with each other. If I watch the World Cup on television, and maybe even there's a hashtag I can tweet, there's limited interactivity. I would never say, I went to the World Series or the World Cup, right? I would never do that. So creating a truly hybrid event, you've got two different audiences that feel like they attended the event. They didn't watch a live stream. They didn't watch a broadcast. They attended the event. And that's hard. That's hard. A lot of people are not doing hybrid. They, you know, I've been preaching the praises of hybrid for 10 years. And I was kind of hoping it would catch on <laughs> after this. But the answer is it's hard. It's hard to do hybrid right. Because you have to think through two entirely different attendee experiences. But the payoffs are incredible if you do it right. Which I should probably talk about what they are real quick. Uh, <laughs> well, well I, can, yeah. I, I can share a resource with everybody to yeah. help understand hybrid yeah. events more. And so for those who don't know me, we create a ton of content at Endless. One of the reasons I love talking with this guy is that there's a PDF for everything. <laughs> and I'm focusing a little bit more on de delivering you guys content than delivery. But if right at the top of the page, you'll see it says text hybrid to 1833 and there's a phone number. That's 1833-818-3970. If you text that right now, I'll send you a link to an ebook that has all the models explained in detail and how they can interact with each other. Things like designing little small events, what we call stars, and how they can surround a larger event. How can you create these experiences of people being at home and how do they interact with people at the smaller events They interact with the large event? What does that all look like? So rather than spend an hour explaining that to you. We yeah, made we don't book. have time for that. So if you text yeah. that, it's, and by the way, when you text it, I'm not gonna like blast you with text forever and ever. You actually, it's gonna ask you if you wanna opt into further text after that. And if you wanna get on the newsletter, you can do that. But this is just gonna give you, it's gonna give you a link right away that you can download it. Yeah. So text that real quick. And that will help you understand hybrid events better than anybody at this conference. That's my secret for you all. So one of the people that was in here, as we were walking in, I came up and did like I did a bunch of you. Hey, why are you here? And she's like, I'm actually leaving um, because I don't want to talk about hybrid. I don't want to do it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I get that. I really do. I totally understand that. Obviously, we didn't spend this whole time talking about hybrid, but we could have um, because I think that's where I think that's where the money is. But where we can kind of leave this section at is it's going to be less about, because I keep getting asked this question a lot, is, is hybrid going to be around? Are we going to keep doing online events? Yes, we were doing them before. We're not going to like disappear off the face of the planet. It's just going to be a redistribution, right? We're going to have in-person events. We're going to have broadcast events, live stream events. We're going to have hybrid events. We're going to have digital first events where the primary audience is the online audience. And then there's a small in-person event or remote in-person event. And then we're going to have fully digital, fully online events. So all of those things are going to exist. They're just going to be redistributed a little bit. Because not one of the things we learned over the course of the last 18 months is that not every event needs to be in-person. I get it. We want the in-person. We want you know the hugs and the, all that kind of stuff. I missed it as much as everybody. But not every, you know, it's, it's the old, like, this could have been an email kind of thing, right? Not every event needs to be in person. So it's going to be a redistribution along that spectrum of events. 
I managed to get it in. Nice. The spectrum of events. Spectrum. Yeah. Oh yeah, the spectrum is pretty cool. That's, maybe that's my, that's maybe we'll, we'll text you guys that later if you guys want it. Um, can I tell more ideas? Absolutely. All right. Here's another idea for you when it comes to. What if I said no? I would probably <laughs> probably go into my hole and cry. Yeah. So the next idea that I have for you guys is the idea of what I call networking pods. We've all been there before where you've seen at a conference they have the phone call booths that you can go in. You guys all see them before where you can go in and do a quiet call inside of it. Well, when it comes to hybrid events and networking, how do you get an in-person attendee to meet with a virtual attendee? Do they do it on their laptop? On their phone? Is that a fun experience? All of a sudden now you're looking at your phone. I'm afraid to look at my phone. I probably have a couple text messages. I would probably just walk off the stage and stop talking to you guys because I get so distracted. How can you keep people in the event but also allow them to connect digitally? Well, instead, take these phone booths, put a computer inside of it, put your event platform on it, and make it so then literally with one click, I can go and have a meeting with someone virtually without having to pull up my computer or my phone in a distraction-free environment. Wouldn't that be pretty nice? Let's level it up. Let's make the booths reserved so it connects to your platform so when you go and book your networking thing, it automatically reserves one of these booths for you. That's not hard to do. So think about those technologies, how you can keep people in the event rather than out of it. Don't make them go back to their hotel room to go to a quiet place. And the same concept goes for remote work. How many people are working remotely right now? How many people have done work while they've been here? That's gonna continue to happen because bosses don't care about out of office replies anymore because we're always out of office. So create a remote working space that's right outside the venue. So then that way I can go to the general session. If I gotta hop on a quick conference call, I can go hop and go do it. It's got outlets and everything. And then you can come right back. Because if you lose them to their room, they're gone. They're gonna get, they're gonna get sucked in and they're never coming back. All right. Or they'll come back two hours later. Next thing when it comes to finding the right venue. How many people are searching for venues right now as part of their planning process? Or have in, let's say in the last three months, I've looked for venues. You guys plan events? I thought it would be like everyone, right? Tired, hands are tired. When it comes to thinking about your venues, think about how you are gonna create that hybrid experience. Where are you gonna put those pods? Is there fast enough internet for every attendee to be connected in the same chat room on their phones the same time as the virtual audience? Are they gonna have enough connectivity to be able to do all those things? Think about it when you're designing your event and your venue, that you're picking your venue based on it being hybrid, not just in person. Do you need a studio space? That's the one thing I think everyone's trying to do a studio, but then goes, oh gosh, where do we put the studio? The studio's gotta be close nearby so you can feed it right into the main live stream, right? So think about it when you're picking your venues. Are you gonna need a studio? Are you gonna need you know, space to do these pods? All those things like that are important. And the remote working too, right? So if you've got executives that are coming in for your event, you know, they might need a studio space to be able to have some nice remote calls. So, you know, get something set up with your hotel or something like that in one of those executive boardrooms so you can have a nice backdrop so they've got a nice quiet place where they can do their remote work. Know your stakeholders. Is there anyone here from a, ven a hotel? Couple. A right? Couple, oh, yeah. all right, cover your ears real quick because yeah. otherwise I, this is what's really gonna get me in trouble. Also consider potentially not doing it at a hotel. Consider the unique venues available to you right now. Things like studio spaces. Consider large warehouses, right? If your attendees are gonna be a small, a small group, you might not need a giant convention space to be able to do it. 
So consider potentially looking at alternative venues as well. This is the time for you to break things, to try different things. Don't look at the calendar and think it still says 2019. It's 2022 almost. All right. Well, should we talk about, speaking of alternate venues, theaters are also a great opportunity for you all, right? Now, one of the big things that we're, we're hearing buzz about in the industry is the theater industry, the movie theater industry, is struggling. And they had already been experimenting with renting out for events where you could rent it out, someone would give the, you know, the 20-minute spiel, and then you'd sit down and watch a movie and things like that. Well, it's only another step to what we were just talking about with Apple of, hey, thanks for coming. You know, so you've got theaters in New York, L.A., Orlando, Texas, Chicago, Paris, London, all doing an event at the same time for tech press or something along those lines or investors so that they don't have to fly to a single location. So you rent out the theater, you've got someone in each location. Great, now we're gonna live stream from wherever we're at. So that kind of hybrid experience where you're sitting in a very nice, comfortable, air-conditioned environment, but you're there together. And then once you're done, you can step out to a reception or something along those lines. So many opportunities. All right, and the last little tip we'll give, or second to last little tip before we leave you with one last little tip is, remote work has changed everything. And just on that fact, everything has changed. How period. many of these things that we were just talking about touch on remote work? Everything has changed so much over the last year. So keep in mind when you're designing your events from a technology perspective, that every single one of your attendees is no longer just attending your event, they're working from your event. That means bandwidth for Zoom calls is gonna go up. That means the need for remote working spaces like we were talking about, it's all gonna be intertwined all day long. You can't just get the cheapest level of Wi-Fi anymore. because And you can't also assume, well, why attendees, they're uh, advanced in age, so they don't really use the internet. Mm -mm. Doesn't work anymore, right? Doesn't work anymore. And I mean, literally, when, when Will says remote work has changed everything, it's changed everything. It's changed AV and production. So there are people right now, we're talking about the future, right? The future. Future. So there are people, there's already shows being cut on Amazon Cloud, right? So you've got a remote engineer who's got eight people on individual Zoom calls, on individual cloud computers. They're editing them together on another cloud computer and then cutting the audio and video for the show and then beaming that out live stream. That's being done right now. There are, there's, a, there's a theater in Belfast that's working, it's becoming known as the Belfast Method. They're actually like opening up their, their light board, their sound board, their video switcher to remote control to people all over the world. So the, you can get the best audio engineer in the world working on your show remotely. You can get the best video engineer, the best lighting designer working on your show remotely. Remote work has changed everything, including audiovisual. All right, then the last thing that we're gonna leave you guys when it comes to the future is that, again, it's not 2019 anymore. It's not even 2020. <laughs> this is your chance to break everything but for a short period of time. You guys remember in early 2020, you had a chance to like really break things. You could do an event in Zoom and then find out, oh, that didn't work, that didn't work out. Oh, we tried this platform, it crashed the second we did it. And all your attendees forgave you and they loved you for it and they still came back. But right now, this next element, people are gonna perfect hybrid in this next year. 
They're going to get incredibly good at it. And if you don't try to improve and move towards that, you're going to get left in the dust. People are going to become picky about what conferences they go to, picky how they spend their travel, picky how people spend their time. So this is your chance to try to do things differently. So if there's one thing I plead you to leave you with, let's go and break things and try new things. Don't do it the same way you did before. All right. I think that's going to do it for us talking to you guys. Yeah, you guys. we've got a solid five for Five minutes for questions. And then I, again, we can stay. So if anybody wants to stick around longer, we can, we can do that. And just yep. speak loudly through the mask. Excellent. And when you do what Will was just talking about, when you do a great job at hybrid, it makes people want to come to your in-person event. So even if you don't charge, you can charge. You absolutely can, especially if it's a good experience. But if you look at it as a marketing expense, like we're going to do a really amazing job on our hybrid events, which is why I've been singing the praise for 10 years, is that it winds up actually driving traffic to your in-person events. It doesn't cannibalize it. It doesn't steal it. There's lots of data to show that. But you have to do a good job. You can't just throw the camera in the back and call it hybrid. So <laughs> summarize, of the, it's a perfect storm of compliance, that we don't have the ability to, we've got all these things, all these different pieces of tech, compliance, compliance, compliance. I've got an answer to you. I was going to say, did anyone attend the compliance talk that I think it was a little bit earlier today too? Okay, we get to try to tackle it through that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did a, 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 an event recently with a lot of government uh, folks. And they're basically told, Teams, WebEx. That's all you get. And they were bemoaning the fact, oh, I can't, that's all I can use is Teams and WebEx. I said, do you know how lucky you are to only have to deal with Teams and WebEx? Because all the rest of the industry is dealing with these 200 different platforms and not knowing which one to choose. By being told, here are the guardrails, it's actually an opportunity to make the most out of those platforms, to really think about the design side as opposed to getting caught up in the technology. So that's what I, so yes, the compliance gets difficult. And the number of times that I saw financial industry companies design their own event app because they couldn't deal with the compliance, but then abandoned it a year later because their IT staff wouldn't support it, couldn't be counted. And we saw the same thing now, we're seeing the same thing now with platforms. So it's a mess, it, it totally is. But you can try and pick away at it, get your IT team on your side, buy them pizza and beer, don't have an adversarial relationship. They never let me get the event app that I want. You know, have a good relationship with your IT squad and try and work your way into bringing those things kind of one at a time. Because if you say, I want these eight apps, their head's gonna explode because they're responsible for the IT safety and security of Fortune 500 bank, or <laughs> you know, they don't have time for your eight event apps. So that would be my take, is, is make the most out of what you've got and then slowly pick away at trying to bring these things in. And you have to have back and forth conversations of this is why we want to add it. This is how it integrates. This is how it works with our API and work with their more analytical minds. And I'd say too that, you know, we talk about the millions of platforms that are out there. If compliance is an issue with you, there's not millions of platforms that are going to yeah. do it for you. So there's what four. I would recommend too is that the platforms that, are, that grew the most and are most solidified, right? The platforms that were big before the pandemic, they're the ones who get compliance, data, security, and privacy. And I think one of the things, if that's your biggest thing when you come in, it should also be your first question, not the last question. Because the last thing you want is to get a sexy sales pitch with all the cool things. And they go, okay, but about compliance. And they go, oh, well, let me get the data protection officer or whoever it is. Um, I think, in fact, 
compliance and data security is so important now that all of your vendors in the process need to tap it too. Your production company needs to, your creative company, all these things are so important. And to show how important that is, just, a, just an example why I think it's important, uh, I don't actually own any technologies themselves. We are all about selecting and helping integrate them all and integrate them into the whole production and the creative and the strategy of the event. We're creating a page that's gonna exist on our site that's dedicated to talking about how we as a company who don't own the technology care about privacy and security. And I think every single event company needs to start doing that. Because it's about not just about the technology being compliant, it's about everybody in the process being compliant too. All right, one last thing. Text hybrid to that phone number. It's gonna give you a guide to figuring out how to design hybrid events, what the models need to look like. And check that out, and then if you want to, I have an awesome newsletter where every week I write the best tips when it comes to events that'll help you out. And if you just want to get connected with us, just bring up a business card. Yeah, if you want to drop a business card right here too, yep. I'm happy to send you guys more yep. eBooks and resources as well. And anybody that wants to stick around, feel free to stick around, but we gotta, we gotta let you go so you can go off to your networking events. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or let us know about some event tech we need to talk about. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.